You know, as I get older, I find myself wanting to connect with my inner child. The creative side, should I say. You know, when creativity was really what it was. It was fun. It was freedom. It was playful. It was colorful. It was anything that you could possibly imagine. Well, a few weekends ago, I had that button pushed, that inner child button. I went to the highly anticipated exhibition of the New York City holiday season. And let me tell you, it was so good. I cannot wait to get into more details on the inside of this episode but before we go any further, I want to say hello and Happy New Year to everyone. Thank you guys so much for joining me on the fifth episode of the Black Luxury Code. I am Andre Lamar, and we are about to get into it right now. What's popping, y'all? Welcome back to the BLC, the Chronicles of Luxury with a Twist. And as promised, I will let you in on a little secret of this experience. I went to the Louis Vuitton 200 trunk exhibition in celebration of the bicentennial birthday of Louis Vuitton himself. What was great about this exhibition is that the brand they teamed up with 200 contemporary artists to convey their own version of the iconic trunk and the outcome was far beyond anything you could possibly imagine. Now, now that I think about it actually, every event that I've ever been to regarding LV has always been top notch like top notch, whether it was in boutique, whether it was an exhibition, uh, whether it was a, uh, you know, I don't know, a in, in, in the street, I don't know anything, <laughs> not necessarily in the street, but you guys know what I mean. If it was in a museum, the boutique, whether it was um, something they was partnering with for client engagement, such as this particular experience, it has always been worthwhile and let me tell you that this client experience was something that i believe everyone could enjoy from adults to children and vice versa and what's so great about louis vuitton is that they they just get it and I feel that I'm always speaking about this idea of getting it right, especially when it comes to engaging with new luxury clients or consumers. They have done such a great job at translating their DNA, let's say from a traditional uh, practice with their mature clients to more, I would say, of a interactive and untraditional, unconventional 
conversation for these new clients. And let me tell you, it, it was just so much fun to go through and see all the different trunks. It was very energetic. It was interactive. It was luxe. It was everything that you could possibly think of regarding Louis Vuitton plus more. And honestly, it just makes me reassured as to why they are who they are. And I believe the exhibition is still going on. If you're here in the New York City area, I would highly, highly recommend checking it out. You will not be disappointed. <laughs> By far, you will not be disappointed at all. But on a different note, something that I wanted to highlight. Oh, actually, did anyone go to Art Basel this year? Unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't get it. Or actually, no, what did I just say? Did I say this year? Last year. Did anyone go to Art Basel last year in 2022? I can't believe 23 is already here. 22 literally just flew by within the blink of an eye. But Art Basel, of course, is again, another highly anticipated event down within the Miami uh, area for all creatives, all artists. And now more than ever, we're starting to see a lot of brands, luxury brands included, participate in this, uh, in this time period. And someone that I want, or something that I want to highlight is Tiffany & Co. My dear Tiffany, they made such a huge statement this past year. They put on such a star-studded soiree to debut their first ever Miami holiday pop-up. And they brought along their Tiffany Cafe, for those who are familiar with it, to the heart of the Miami Design District. And what was so special about this particular space was not just the fact that they brought this pop-up space, but it was inspired by their holiday campaign, which took influence from their archival designs, uh, which featured their creative pioneer, Andy Warhol, who I believe was part of the brand uh, during the 19 mid fifties through the early sixties. Um, so this would entail very bright, vibrant, paint spilled uh i guess designs and different aesthetics and from the pictures that i've seen it was just that it was tiffany and co but it was just much more uh elevated in terms of the vibrancy and the choices of colors it was it was definitely very eye-catching and popping popping to the eye and of course this brought out some of the star-studded uh, celebrities, uh, Pharrell Williams and Lori Harvey, just to name a couple, who came to this wonderful uh, event from the pictures that I've seen. And interesting enough, interesting enough, when I seen this article, when I seen this article, because actually, um, I read this on haltliving.com, but I also seen it on Instagram. When I, when I noticed this whole subject, I thought to myself, I said, wow, you know, this area looks very familiar. Now I've been to the Miami district more than a few times, but I was recently down there the weekend before Thanksgiving for a business trip. And 
my boss at the time, she recommended this really cute cafe that was close to our boutique. So of course I went, had breakfast, I had some French toast with uh, some fresh strawberries and powdered sugar, bacon, you know, the whole shebang. I'm such a foodie. And don't you know, <laughs> this exact same cafe that I went to is the same cafe that Tiffany and Cole took over. And honestly, I could do nothing but laugh when I read it and when I seen the picture because I'm like, hmm, <laughs> as a direct competitor, here I am in the same cafe, maybe a week, two, three weeks max before this transition of one of our competitors. So I don't know, I, you guys may not find it funny, but anyway it's more of an insider but tiffany and co they took over the otl cafe in its rooftop and completely turned it into this tiffany paradise um i believe it was commissioned by artists k and sunny i'm sorry if i said the names wrong but um of course as i mentioned before they turned this particular area into such a beautiful and colorful palette of fluid and dynamic lines that you know just visualize large scales of artwork that was just so fitting for art basil but one thing that i also enjoyed seeing was that they included really cool backdrops within this pop-up space that highlighted their prominent tiffany collections so if you're familiar with tiffany you'll know exactly what i'm referring to such as the tiffany tea the hardware collection, Miss Elsa Peretti herself, Slumberger, and then of course the Tiffany lock, which I feel is like the talk of last year and it's probably still the talk <laughs> right now. Um, and honestly, um, this is what I feel all the jewelry brands should be doing. Jewelry, this sector is very traditional, but Tiffany, Ever since the acquisition with LVMH, they have really put the, the, the foot to the metal, pushed, what is it, how do you say it? Put the pedal to the metal? <laughs> they have put the pedal to the metal at truly becoming the beacon and the leaders of the jewelry industry. So this is so commendable. And again, this is another experience that if you're in the Miami area, I would highly suggest that you check it out. I know this pop-up um, location and cafe is there until January 31st. Check it out. Tell me how the food is. I mean, I don't know if they're gonna have anything special, but they may, they may have some Tiffany cookies. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but of course, you know, I think understanding that you know we have these certain um experiences with within each year whether it's coachella whether it's art basil i'm not gonna say anything like rolling loud because that would be a bit you know crazy but let's just stick with those two right i think it's it's smart to to leverage these moments of high traffic of where these new consumers and clients are to bring brand awareness and bring it in a fun and dynamic way that 
of course, will create engagement with the client, but also allow the brand to reintroduce themselves in a new way. So for all of the Instagrammers and content creators and aspirational uh, buyers, like these are the type of moments they are looking for. And honestly, as a former professional of Tiffany, I'm just so excited to see their growth and engagement and their new strategies implemented. Um, and as I said before, I think more houses need to be doing this. Um, and it doesn't mean that you are jeopardizing your integrity. It doesn't mean that you are losing your DNA. It just shows that you understand the times and you are leveraging fresh talent and new ideas, which is what makes the industry more exciting. That's what makes your employees more engaged in coming to work. It's literally this, this full cycle, like this full domino effect on everyone. So that's great that Tiffany did that. And not only that, as I may have mentioned in some previous episodes, luxury is all about an emotion right it's all about an emotion that is curated physically into products and and experiences but unless you tap into all senses of your consumer and discover new pockets new opportunities you will never fully heighten the client experience you will never I mean, let me just say that again. You will never fully heighten the client experience if you are not willing to take risks and to discover new ways to engage with the client. And, and, and honestly, I feel like that helps build more loyalty um, at its best. And look at Tiffany. They still have their heritage. People still refer to them for for the brilliance of their diamonds and that's just going to continue to be what the what the subject is but i just want to give you guys that little bit of spill i can't wait for their new flagship to open i think it's happening this year this fall in new york that's going to be another great moment they're going to op reopen their tiffany cafe which i'm sure reservations are already booked up <laughs> i'm sure they're already booked up in advance for their top clients but again when that time comes if you if you're in New York go and visit go and check it out now this next subject I am really shocked about but I'm also super excited because it really shows me that what I've been talking about in some of the previous episodes is literally a trend that I knew was picking up, but now it's it's very interesting to see that it's actually being documented on <laughs> on on the podcast. So this is this is great. Rolex just introduced a certified pre-owned program. You heard me right. Rolex which we all know and heard of, have introduced a certified pre-owned program. 
so what that means is that the brand is now accepting pre-owned watches starting at three years old from clients pre-loved you know from three years old as long as they meet the standards of quality they will be selling these timepieces with a certification to the secondhand market now <laughs> you guys may remember i talked about balenciaga maybe two episodes ago and i also mentioned there were a few other brands that were jumping on the wave of the secondhand market because there's so much opportunity so here we are again now in timepieces and at the the, the pinnacle of timepieces rolex you know we're talking about a real investor we're not just talking about a regular timepiece or watch that you know that will lose its value we're talking about a solid solid investment uh brand that has now opened again who has now opened their mind to something that they probably was closed off to before they have opened their mind to it because they see the opportunity but going back to the program so again three years old once it meets the standards it will not be certified but the great thing also that I love about this program that I was reading from hypebeast.com is that once it is authenticated after being uh, analyzed and observed for its standards of quality, it will receive a two-year international guarantee that will remain valid within their Rolex network, which means, or at least to my understanding, every two years the the timepiece will receive another checkup <laughs> it will receive another evaluation to make sure that it is up to par that it is still within the conditions that still meets the standards of rolex and interesting enough this program started out or it rolled out in europe already at the beginning of the holiday season um and i believe coming this spring it will continue to roll out you know throughout the world so i guess they must have done what would you say how would you call it they've done um how, what do you call it like a trial within the european market to see how you know clients or consumers would react to it and clearly it's doing its job so expect to see this uh this spring perhaps in your uh your local rolex boutique or maybe um i don't know if this is going to go to some of their um third party partners but i know that this will allow for consumers or clients within the secondhand market to maybe have their opportunity at a different price point, but with the same value and standards of a Rolex. And honestly, I, I just feel that this is a moment where brands or just more specifically luxury brands 
they're venturing out. They're starting to realize that, you know, the traditional practices are not, they're not, I'm not gonna say they're not working, but there's so much more opportunity to take advantage of. And, you know, there are consumers, there are clients who would love to make a, a Rolex investment. And for whatever reason, they think perhaps going to the secondhand market will provide them a better value. But now on the flip side for Rolex, this again, as I mentioned in the previous episode, this gives Rolex the opportunity to one, continue to control the integrity of their brand. And secondly, it allows them to continue the life cycle of the product with the client as well as the engagement with the client, right? Because within luxury, that's really what, that's really what, you know, the, the, the industry serves for is for there to be a partner with the client at every step of the moment from introduction all the way to the end. And when I say the end, I mean to the end of the life cycle of the product, whether you know, you are consigning the piece back or whether, you know, I don't know, let me see, whether the whether, whether you're consigning the piece back to the brand, such as with Balenciaga and now with Rolex, or maybe, you know, you need your piece to be uh, repaired. So you bring it back to the boutique and they send it out for repair. You know, it's just a continuous conversation. It's it's a relationship. It's literally a relationship that you are building um, with your client as well as um, for the client to build with, with their product, with their investment. So great job to Rolex. I am so excited for them on this project. And I cannot wait to see what 2023 has for the remaining uh, for the remaining year, and what other brands will be jumping on this bandwagon. As I already told you guys, after Balenciaga, I knew it was just only a matter of time before we started seeing more brands. I've seen Coach; they've I've been seeing some of their um, how would you say some of their leads for their program. Honestly, I'm really hoping to see Burberry do this program because I'm such a sucker for the Christopher Bailey era. So I would love to, <laughs> I would love to see some of those vintage pieces from like the, you know, what was it, the, the early 2010s, um, just throughout that whole decade. I would love to see some of those pieces resurface. Um, because I was in high school and middle school at the time, so I couldn't afford those things. But by all means, <laughs> those were some fabulous and just really, really dope pieces that they came out, especially in leather goods. But at this point, you know, brands, you guys have the green light. You guys have the green light. You know, pop-up shops, collaborations, consignment business models, gastronomy, homes, 
you you have to figure out i think it's important for brands to figure out how they can go beyond the client's wallet and see what else is a part of the client's lifestyle and tap in simple as that so enough on that subject something that i've always really admired i don't want to say admired but something i've always thought was a very interesting topic was counterfeits and i know this can be a very touchy subject depending on who you talk to but honestly when i was in grad school i actually thought about writing my thesis on this subject and when i was in paris i was very thrilled to see that they had their own version of canal street of of i guess the black market if you if you will they had everything you guys like everything it was massive and i remember when i first stumbled upon it i was in such shock that i literally walked down one pathway and i said oh my gosh no 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 no! i have to go back and grab my friends <laughs> i have to go back and grab my friends so we can come back and explore this together um but today we are talking about how counterfeits are literally staring young aspirational shoppers from the boutiques to taking more of an interest in purchasing fake merchandise listen this is not a subject that's new this has been around for years but the, the first and most important reason is due to the continuous price change over the past year. I know firsthand that the price change within luxury goods is real. I feel that if I can recall, I may have experienced, I may have experienced maybe three price changes in the past three years, or excuse me, I may have experienced three price changes in the last year um, at my job. So I know the effects that they're referring to is, is real. And now we are back at a point where the wedge is being drawn from the aspirational client to the actual in-house, uh, to the actual in-house client or entry-level client. So wait, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if that made sense to you. What I'm saying is there was a time where you had the actual entry level client who had the the actual spend right for entering into the luxury boutique. I would say maybe in the last couple of years, this aspirational client has popped up and this would entail more entry level products. So you know, your bandos, your um, your keychains, your perfumes, your um, lower price um, footwear, these things that would help bring in the, the entry level client into, into the actual brand to help them understand what the brand really represents. And, um, 
pretty much draw them in. But now I feel with the price change, that gap between aspirational and entry level is, I feel like it's, it's closing. The aspirational client is like, uh-uh, the price is too high. Now we're going to, this, we're going to the counter, to, to the, to counterfeit. And now more than ever, it is so accessible. The internet is, it, it just offers everything. You don't need to go down to Canal Street anymore. You don't need to go into these warehouses where it's all mysterious and, and weird. You can go on the internet and and, and, and and make these purchases. Interesting enough, the BOF, they told us in an article recently that Gen Z, or in other words, the aspirational consumers, have pushed this particular sector to three trillion dollars it has tripled actually it has tripled since 2013 and that is just insane that is insane but you know bof they made a very interesting statement um that made me think about something and they said something along the lines of um Perhaps counterfeit merchandise may be the part or the cause as to why brands are raising their prices. Now, could you imagine that counterfeit merchandise, because it is now becoming in such demand, it is causing the brands themselves to raise their prices? Who would have ever, who would have ever thought more than 50% of ages 15 to 24 have purchased at least one kind of their product offline in the last 12 months. And this is according to the European Union Intellectual Property of Office. Luxury is more ubiquitous than ever and to the forefront of the commercial uh, marketing space. Um, and so, you know, with I would say with a mix of traditional marketing, advertising, social media, it's inevitable that these this merchandise will be at our fingertips right and for me although i understand i i completely get it the price point is not for everyone and trust me these price points are very astronomical i personally value intellectual creativity <laughs> so i feel that this of course robs the designer the artist um but it's just very interesting to see how the synergy or the ecosystem of luxury it's interesting to see how they somewhat partner with the black market to drive business um and to influence how they you know make decisions such as price changes you know and it wow i mean it helps navigate uh the brand dna and integrity as well so i can understand how this can kind of be a back and forth conversation a back and forth uh way of doing business but needless to say 
um, I thought that was pretty interesting to think that the black market could possibly influence price changes within the boutiques today. Listen, tell me what you guys think. I mean, I, I want you guys to reflect on this. Like, would you rather pay the price point within a boutique or would you rather pay the price point of a counterfeit product because those prices are rising as well and i don't really understand what would be the true value of investing in merchandise as the price is increasing if it's if it's not real <laughs> but reflect on that and and you know have a conversation with with your loved ones at the table see what they think but in other news i hope you know you guys enjoyed those few topics i really just wanted to get those out um to you guys because it was just really sitting on my on my mind i'm like i have to get this out because it's just so interesting and i don't want to sit here and prolong the time with you guys because i know long episodes are not the most favorable but long story short i hope you guys have had a wonderful holiday season i'm wishing you all the best in this new year uh, let's take this new year as an opportunity to introduce new ideas with confidence and self-assurance right and my goal is to continue bringing you more content more topics for us to discuss and i'm going to do it more frequently more frequently as well so definitely keep it locked i know it's been a while but i got y'all i'm coming back very shortly for episode six i have not forgot about you guys and if you're interested in following me personally on social media on social media <laughs> my handle is saint trends which is s t t r e n d z my name is andre lamar as i've been telling you guys in every episode <laughs> so yeah please give me a follow um message me let me know that you listen to the podcast i would love to hear some of your feedback um, but until the next time this is al at the vlc and i will catch you guys on the next episode one love y'all